Hi, Hope Point Church. We, we are really delighted to be with you again this weekend. Um, as we said to the press seminar yesterday, this church has a really special place in our heart. And it's, it's just our privilege to, be, to have journeyed with you thus far. And we just really trust that God is going to be speaking into our hearts today and um, imparting things um, specifically that will really um, help and strengthen and encourage you for the days ahead. Morning, everybody. We're happy we've got a new conservative government in New Zealand. Yay. That is an answer to prayer. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm not sure if any of you prayed for us. We needed help, but it was good. So anyway, but listen, it's been a crazy few years, hasn't it, these last three, four, five years, as we've seen the world uh, go through really tumultuous times. And we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, Jesus warned us. He said, look, the nearer you get to my coming, you're going to see certain signs. And then he listed them. He said, you're going to see earthquakes. Uh, famines, wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, the roaring of the seas, which is the weather going crazy, signs in the sky, etc. He said, when you see those things, don't be discouraged. Look up, your redemption draws near. His coming is not there, right there, but it's pointing towards that day. And the fact of the matter is that as we get nearer to the coming of the Lord, those things are just going to increase in violence and in frequency. And we need to know as Christians how to really navigate those uh, turbulent times. So Greta's going to share a short prophetic message. And in that, she's going to give a couple of keys that will really help you. Then I'm going to come and bring a teaching that will also give another key. And I need to warn you, my wife is a seer prophet. So God speaks to her a lot in signs and natural symbols, etc. So you're going to hear a few of those this morning. All right. Thank you. You know, back in 2019, I felt that the next decade would be the roaring 20s. Um, the devil is roaring louder than ever. Wouldn't you agree? The nations are raging and roaring like the roaring seas. That's a fulfillment of Isaiah 17:12. These are also 40, Psalm 46, six days that says the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. And David and I both believe that in the days ahead, the turbulence and the shaking is going to continue in the world. However, in the midst of the chaos, you and I can remain unshaken and secure if we remember one truth. God is in full control. And it's so interesting, that's the very first thing he spoke to me early uh, morning, the first day of 2023, 1st of January, I heard these words clearly. God is wanting us to remember this as we traverse um, the journey ahead of us. He is in full control. I just feel that's a word of, for some of you today. You need to hold on to this. There are more curveballs coming, but Jesus says, Keep your eye on the prize. Both the most difficult and the greatest days for the church lie ahead. So that's the big picture. And in this, one of the things I sense God is speaking is a word. And we have it coming up on the, on the screen, the first screen um, slide, um, alignment. It is time to align. 
And God has confirmed alignment many times through a natural sign, a home ventilation system. And something I've learned over the years is when I come across unusual phenomena, I'm, I'm never looking for them, they just kind of hit me in the eyeballs, then I've learned to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what, is, what are you saying through this? And what happened was every time I randomly passed the control panel, the temperature would be the same in the roof as in the house. And even before we, we, just before we flew over to Australia, there was a whole cluster of this happening again. For example, 14, 14, you see we're a bit chillier than you. 15, 15, 17, 17, that was many times, 17, 17, um, 18, 18, 19, 19, etc. So what does this mean? Well, this is what I sense the Holy Spirit explain. The roof in the house... It's a picture. It's like heaven and earth. And God wants the same on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, alignment. You know, we pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord emphasized these aspects. Um, I felt him say, alignment with my heart, alignment with my will, and alignment with my word. And we have our next slide coming up. The Lord looks for men and women after his own heart, who love him and know him in close relationship. That's the number one thing. And in Acts 13, 22, God said of David, I have found David a man after my own heart. And may we be men and women after God's own heart. Secondly, he looks for those who live in full surrender to his perfect will and walk in his plans and purposes. God said of David, he will do everything I want him to do. David was wholeheartedly committed to following and obeying the Lord. And then thirdly, he looks for those who wholeheartedly trust and obey his word so that he can release accelerated spiritual maturity. You know, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said this, we pray you will become mature. And I pray may we all become mature in the Lord and grow up to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Because this is his desire for us. Now the thing is, we cannot align in our own efforts the wonderful news is God is releasing grace for alignment. And I feel this is a special period right now where God is releasing multiplied grace for the church everywhere to come into alignment with heaven. Um, many of you will know that the number five symbolizes grace. I've repeatedly come across the number 555 i.e. multiplied grace, just as, as affirmation that this is what God is doing. Now, why is alignment important? It's so that the church is ready and rightly positioned to be and to do, to be that glorious shining bride of Christ, full of the Holy Spirit and love and power, and to do, to successfully complete our personal assignments as well as our corporate assignments. You see, it's alignment for assignment. Say to the person next to you, alignment for assignment. 
It helps us remember when we say things out loud. It helps me anyway. And last year, the Lord reminded me again of this unprecedented multi-generational move of God that is coming when he pours out his spirit. And he has important assignments for each one of us. And right now as well, in preparation for what is coming. And to fathers and mothers and generals in the faith, a major assignment is to pray. Also train and equip the the young adults, the future leaders, to become mothers and fathers. And by the way, you know, Ben and Rachel, you, you are still wonderfully young and you have, you, you are a natural mother and father, but Um, You have a maturity beyond your years, and I just see that mothers and fathers anointing growing on you, increasing on you into the future, that you will become a spiritual father and mother to many. But to young adults, run with the generals, learn from them, and keep running far beyond the older generation. Rise up to full potential. You will lead the children of today to become a spirit-filled, mighty army of God. You will train and prepare them to reach their generation with salvation. Father passionately wants the young generation to be saved. God is imparting strength for assignment. And he promises supernatural strength as we wait on him. Isaiah 40, 29-31 And there's a scripture that comes strongly to mind um, repeatedly. And while we've been ministering overseas, and the Lord confirmed this with um, a photo you actually don't expect to see hanging in a bedroom wall where we were staying. And we have a slide coming up. Ain't he a handsome fella? A big wild ox. Now, in ancient Israel, the wild ox was a symbol of strength and power. And the wild ox is a symbol for us, the church today. And this is the scripture. Psalm 92.10 declares, But you, Lord, have made me as strong as a wild ox. I don't want to look like him, but I want his strength. (laughs) I hope I don't look like him. (laughs) And you know, there is more. There is this unprecedented, massive harvest of salvation coming. And the Bible says you need a strong ox for the harvest. Now, most of us are aware the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking those he may devour. Isn't that so? But in the natural, even lions are very careful of a wild ox. A number of years ago... Um, my first husband, Ron, and I, and um, I'm, for those of you that are new to the church, uh, my first husband and, and David's first wife are both in heaven. Um, but Ron and I were in the National Park in northeastern South Africa, and we came across this remarkable scene. Um, in a clearing among the trees stood a big buffalo, a type of wild ox, and he was surrounded by this large pride of lions who wanted him for lunch. But this buffalo so fearsomely stood his ground with his horns down like this whenever a lion tried to get near, they eventually gave up and slinked away. It, It was amazing to see. Resist the devil. 
Stand strong in your faith like a wild ox against any pride of demonic lines, and they won't just slink away, they will flee. You will overcome the enemy who opposes God's purposes. God has called us to be overcomers. And I love this about the ox. It lifts its horns after winning a battle. And the raised horn in scripture is a symbol of victory. And the raised horn is God's intention for us. And we need to adopt that belligerent, warlike spirit of a warrior um, against you know, the enemy forces. Jesus promised, he said, I give you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And we need to stand in Jesus' authority as delegated. And interesting, remember I said in the home ventilation, the control panel, 1717 was what came up a lot. The number 17 symbolizes overcoming, complete victory. And during worship, um, I saw many angels, there are angels here, the place is full of them, and they were carrying something very interesting I haven't seen before, and I know that what angels carry, um, they are God's messengers and the Holy Spirit helps to use them, um, it symbolizes one of the things God wants to impart, the angels were carrying horns for everybody, that ox, you know the ox's horn, a symbol of victory and, and the ox's strength. And I feel that at the end, one of the things God wants to do at the end is to impart to us that supernatural strength of the ox and that victorious overcoming spirit symbolizing the horns, the ox's horns. They were specifically ox's horns. So in summary, it is time to align with God's heart, his will, and his word. And he is releasing grace for alignment and strength for assignment to victoriously complete them. Thank you, sweetheart. I mean, I looked at that picture and thought, the only thing I got is that thing needs a haircut. That's all I got out of that. So Greta gets a complete prophetic message. God speaks in different ways. Is that right? So uh, there you go. So the key that I want to share with you um, is this one. Spiritual fathers and mothers need to arise in this hour. And we're going to unpack that um, because the global church really needs people to rise up. We need to make sure we're aligning with heaven and not what the media says, not what celebrity says, not what social media says. Our alignment must be with truth, with heaven, with the word of God, with the Bible. And, uh, and I love that thing of strength. This is a time where we're not to be weak, but we're to be strong. And so consequently, it's also a time for us to grow through levels of maturity. In the church, we can't stay at any one level. Let's look in one John 2, 12 to 14, and it says this is the John the Apostle writing to um, a bunch of churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And I'm writing to you, fathers and mothers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men and women, because you've overcome the evil one. <clears throat> I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. And I write to you, fathers and mothers, because you know him who is from the beginning. 
I write to you, young men and women, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. We'll look at those other uh, levels of maturity in a minute, but certainly John is describing three levels of maturity and he says fathers and mothers in the faith are those who know him who is from the beginning. But what does that mean? Well, if we go back to the beginning, Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And that word formless in Hebrew can also be translated chaos. So here you've got a picture of a primeval world that is chaotic, it's empty, and it's dark. Does it sound a bit like today's world? I reckon it does. And the good news is that in, over that chaos and darkness, the Spirit of God was hovering or overshadowing, waiting for a command to come from heaven to execute God's word and create something. And if you read the next verse, uh, Genesis 1 verse 3, surely the command came, Father thought it, Jesus spoke it, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And as you read the rest of Genesis 1, by the time you get to the end of chapter, God has brought light out of darkness. He's filled the world with incredible structures and organisms, and he's brought amazing order um, uh, out of the chaos. He's out of the emptiness. He's filled the earth. It was, I think the word is teeming with life. And, and so God creates something. And you know, as Christians, we believe in creation. Is that right? We do not accept the lie of evolution. And I know the younger generation have been indoctrinated in that lie at, at school and at university. But I trained as a scientist. I could see the potholes in that theory a mile off. And if you want to believe that the world came by some big bang that just happened all by itself and created galaxies and stars and planets, and then this particular planet went on some chemicals came together in a primeval soup and gosh you've got amino acids and proteins that form single cells that they thought was so simple but now the molecular scientists are discovering are so complex and then we got here over billions of years if you want to believe that help yourself but you're believing a lie and I love the story of the little girl that came to her mother and said mummy I'm confused you say we're created in God's image daddy says we came from monkeys she said, honey, I'm talking about my side of the family. Daddy's talking about his. So I don't know what side of the family you're on. The good news is you don't have to believe in creation to be saved. You have to believe in Christ. But when you believe in Christ, he leads you into the truth, and you will discover evolution is a lie a, a, a very convenient lie for people that don't want to give accountability to God. So to know the one who is from the beginning coming up on the screen is to know unshakably that God can bring order and light out of chaos and darkness. And that is good news in our personal lives, for our nation and the world right now, that fathers and mothers in the faith know that whatever chaos is out there, whatever darkness is going on in our lives, in our families, our city, our nation, the nations of the earth, that there is a still a hover and an overshadowing of the Spirit of God upon dark and chaotic circumstances. And when the church prays and when we touch the throne of God, that's when commands start coming out of heaven and God says, let there be light in the darkness, order out of 
chaos, etc. And sometimes that chaos and darkness can be a product of our own poor decisions or our stumbling into sin. And if that's the case, we need to repent. We need to, uh, with God's help, change and get back on track. But a lot of chaos and darkness in the world is simply due to satanic powers, demonic spirits, wicked people. And so we have to trust God in faith that he will transform it. He is an expert at transforming those sorts of situations. Many of you will know, but some of you won't, that my first wife, Jane, uh, was diagnosed uh, in her uh, early 20s with multiple sclerosis. She had an attack, went into remission. When we met and married, she was in good health, but some years into our marriage, the disease kicked in, and she had the worst form of it, primary progressive. So once it kicks in, it just gets worse and worse. So she ended up in a wheelchair not being able to do anything for herself. She couldn't feed herself, bathe herself, uh, you know, dress herself, couldn't do a thing. And I was her caregiver for the last 16 years of her life, but she spent 21 years in a wheelchair in that kind of condition. And we prayed for a healing miracle, uh, and others did too. And we, we felt full of faith that God could do this. But, you know, she just kept getting worse and worse and, pa- and passed away. And, you know, the day she died because, you know, she had pneumonia, she stopped breathing, the paramedics tried to resuscitate her but couldn't. Um, I had to, you know, they came down and said, we couldn't resuscitate her, Mr. Peter, she's passed. And so I went down to the bedroom where her body lay on the bed to say my goodbyes. And I, I, just, I just said to the Lord out loud, after I'd said my goodbye to Jane, I said, Lord, I don't understand why you haven't healed her. And I really, I feel disappointed, but Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. I don't know your reasons. You give, you take away, blessed be your name. I'm just going to bless your name. And then I said this, I heard myself saying this, but I vow to keep praying for the sick and to train an army of others to do the same. See, I've seen a lot of Christians go for healing, not get it, and back off because they don't want to set themselves up. for. Di- they get disappointed. Their faith is dented. But you know what? If we do that, see, you've got to get your theology on healing, not from your circumstances, but from the Bible. He is the Lord that heals us. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I know we don't yet see a 100% success rate, but I made that vow, not having a clue how to do it. But you you know, the following year, the Lord dropped the idea into my heart to run something called the School of the Supernatural. And Greta and I have taken that school now all over New Zealand and to a number of other nations. Uh, thousands have been trained and equipped to operate in supernatural power, in the gifts of the Spirit, in prophecy, in healing, uh, in encountering the presence of God. And hundreds of people have been healed over the years. And you know what? Uh, 90% of those healings have not been us praying. It's been the people in the schools. I can't remember when we last one ran one here. It would be years ago. Maybe we should come back and run another one. That's a thought. Anyway, we'll pre- seek the Lord about that. And, but you know the wonderful thing is? We've seen three people healed of multiple sclerosis. 
Hallelujah. We only prayed for one of them. We don't know who prayed for the other two, but I want to read you the story of, of one lady, um, uh, a lady in Birmingham, England. She writes this, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. At first I was in denial, but then the sim- symptoms began to increase, and I had continual pain down my left side, weariness and weakness in my legs, slow thoughts in speech, giddiness and uncoordination. Although I was now fearful of going out alone, I made it to the school of the supernatural and went forward for healing because we were getting people to pray for one another. And I was desperate as the pain was awful and I felt I could not live with it. As I walked away after prayer, I noticed I was pain free. I could not stop praising God. The next day as I was going to the meeting, I suddenly realized I was walking fast and my legs felt strong. The slowness of thought and speech has also gone. Completely healed. And we had an email from her when we were in the UK this year, and this is seven years after the event, telling, giving us an update. She's still in full health. Her and her husband have been to Bible college. They're on fire for Jesus. They're involved in a church plant. And she shared her testimony of healing all over the place in small groups and in big crowds. And God did a work. And she can't even remember who prayed for her. And we don't know who prayed for her. It was just a Christian. It was Jesus. Amen. A nameless, faceless army of believers. He just loves to use ordinary people. But I thought, wow, you know, if I'd got offended at God at Jane's death and thought, well, that's it about healing, that would never have happened. See, spiritual fathers and mothers are graced by God to push through the barriers. Keep your integrity and trust in God intact. Never be offended at him because you don't understand why something didn't happen that you hoped would. And I think it would be wrong if we moved off this topic right now because I know there are people in this building, you need a healing touch. And if you need a healing touch in your body right now, we're not going to get you to come to the front, but why don't you just stand to your feet if you need healing of any sort. Maybe you're in pain. Maybe there's some part of your body you can't move. Maybe you have some chronic illness that, you know, you just need a healing miracle. Perhaps somebody's got a life-threatening illness and you need a healing touch this morning. Sweetheart, if you can come and join me. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister healing to you in these next couple of minutes. And I'm going to ask you to put your hand right now on the part of your body that needs healing. If you can't reach that part or it's all through your body, just put your hand on your heart. And uh, we're going to ask the Lord Jesus to put his hand on your hand. So, Lord, we just thank you for your healing touch. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're overshadowing like you did at creation. You're overshadowing this meeting. And you see the chaos that sickness is bringing. You see the darkness and oppression that pain and sickness is bringing into your children's lives. And, Father, we take authority in the name of Jesus over all sickness, infirmity, affliction, injury, accidents, heredity illnesses, curses, and demonic spirits in this room in the name of Jesus, and we set every captive free. Now, Greta's going to release the anointing of the Spirit for healing, and you believe God as she does that His healing touch is going to minister to you, and if you've got a kind of a condition where you can't move something, you're in pain, then in faith, you begin to move something as she releases anointing. You'll find healing will come. 
Holy Spirit, thank you. The anointing breaks the yoke. In the name of Jesus, I release healing anointing across this room. In Jesus' name, I speak to every ailment, injury, or disease. Be healed. Be healed. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Every sign and symptom, go now. Holy Spirit, your power, let your power fall upon every person standing, that you will do a miracle. And for some of you, I release creative miracles where it's medically impossible. Receive a creative miracle and regeneration in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just Let's just wait another 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, would you release another wave of healing through this room right now? In Jesus' name, just step into your healing. Believe for it. Begin to move something. Begin, bend your back. Lift that shoulder if you couldn't do it. Whatever the condition was, might be eyesight, might be hearing. I know some of you will not know you've been healed till later on because it's that kind of condition. But others of you just right now, thank you, Holy Spirit. There are people, you got shoulder issues. God is healing that right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you are feeling tingling and heat in your shoulder. Somebody, your right forearm, it's been in pain and it's really hard to move it and bend. Just that, you know, from the elbow down to the wrist, there's been a lot of pain there. And then the Lord is healing you right now and setting you free. Anyone with breathing difficulties like asthma or whatever, in the name of Jesus, just receive your healing. Just put your hand on your lungs right now in Jesus' name. I sense others with throat problems. You've had difficulty swallowing. Uh, you got, you, you've had um, inflammation in the throat in the name of maybe due to an infection, but I sense there are others. There's long-term conditions. Just put your hand on your throat. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Somebody with nasal obstruction, uh, the Lord heal you and set you free. Just clear. You, that you be, Just take a deep breath in. Let that blockage clear right now in the name name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, every other condition in this room, right now, in the name of Jesus, just receive your healing. Why don't you move your something and test yourself out if you've stood for healing and you can tell whether there's been change. Some of you, will, uh, you might need a medical test or time to tell that you've been healed, um, but some of you will know because you stood in pain or you, there was immobility. Hands up if there's been some kind of change for the better. Just put your hand up. If you've found that the Lord is yet down there, that's great. And anyone else, just quickly... Yeah, there's a couple of people here. So God is doing something. So Lord, just another wave right now. Another wave of your healing touch in the name of Jesus. Okay, take your seats. Keep marinating in healing. Keep, keep faith. And as we speak, God keeps doing it. You know, um, 2023, I felt Psalm 23 would be really important for this year. And actually, in fact, I feel Psalm 23 is a really important psalm for our decade. Does anyone know what Psalm 23 says? Beg your pardon? You all do? Wow, you're a biblically literate church, because when I ask that question in some churches, not many hands go up. Well, could you, could you read it at home for your homework today? 
have a, have a good read, but this is what it says just quickly. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He guides me in path. No, he leads me into green pastures and beside still waters and restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, which is favor. My cup overflows, which is provision. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you need to meditate on that. You need to know that he's not only the shepherd of the green pastures, he's the shepherd of the valleys. People in life are going to encounter valleys of trouble, valleys of difficulty, valleys of loss like the shadow of death. But those who become spiritual fathers and mothers are those that trust God in the valleys, navigate through them, come out onto the other side to a feasting table of His goodness, favor and provision. They know that all the days of their life, even if they encounter more trouble, goodness and mercy will pursue them. And finally, they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I believe you've been doing teaching series on eternity and that right there is an incredible thing the hope that we have so these spiritual fathers and mothers are people that go through chaos darkness valleys and they come out the other side trusting God knowing that God is the one that transforms all those circumstances if we can have our scripture back on the screen and why don't you take 30 seconds to look at that again talking about those three levels of maturity, children, young men and women, and spiritual fathers and mothers. If we can go to our next screen, guys, that'd be great. Let's just quickly talk. Children know their sins are forgiven and know that God is their father. What a wonderful thing to know that you and all the dumb things and the wrong things that we've done in life can be washed by the blood of the lamb. See, every person on planet earth has broken God's laws. And if you break even one of them, it's called sin. And God is so holy, he cannot let you into his presence with that sin on your life. One sin is enough to keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. And when you die and stand before God, there's an immediate judgment. Like Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed for people to die once. So there's no reincarnation. You die once and after that comes judgment. There's an immediate judgment to determine where you go. Are you allowed into heaven? Are you sent to a place where God's presence isn't? And any place where God isn't is hell because there there's no joy, no love, no peace. And when you pass away and you stand before God, he will just say, I wanted you to spend eternity with me in heaven, but that sin has never been forgiven. I must separate you from myself. And God's not wanting anybody to suffer that fate of being sent to hell, separated from his presence. So he so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus comes to earth, hangs on a cross. What's he doing? He is paying the price for your sin and mine. One sin will keep you out of eternity. You talk to Adam and Eve when you get to heaven. One act of rebellion in eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They lost paradise. They lost eternal life. They lost it all. And the world came under a curse and we're suffering the consequences of that ever since. But we're looking forward to the day Jesus returns and he breaks that curse once and for all. He broke it at Calvary, but he will enforce the breaking of it and a new world will be created. I love that thought. And so when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
that he died on a cross for you. When you ask him to forgive you from your sin, Father God washes you clean, not because of your religious perfection, because nobody's perfect, but because of your faith in Christ. You're a believer in the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. You are washed clean and God looks at you as if you're sinless because he declares you sinless. And I know that we are still on a journey because, you know, our position is sinless before God, but our condition is maybe less. But the Spirit of God is working all throughout our lives to match our condition to our position. But you're not saved by your condition. You're saved by your position. And your position in Christ is accessed through faith that He is the Savior, the Son of the living God. And that means your past doesn't need to haunt you. That past of 50 years ago, that thing you did five years ago, Five months ago, five minutes ago, that past doesn't need to pursue you nor haunt you. The devil will try and do that because that sin is under the blood of Jesus. If you've asked him to forgive you, if you've put your faith in Christ, your sin is washed away. All things are made new. No wonder John Newton said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And he was a slave trader. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. It's all by grace, folks, all by grace. And a child of God knows that they've forgiven and washed through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's young men and women. These are people, it says, the word of God lives in them. They are strong and they've overcome the evil one. They did a survey of 80,000 Christians in America and they asked how many times a week that they read the Bible. And then they asked a whole lot of questions about their, their spiritual life. And this is what they discovered. They found that if a, if a believer read the Bible once or twice a week, it made very little difference uh, spiritually to them. If they read the Bible three times a week, it made a little bit of difference for better. But then they discovered something fascinating. They discovered that if they read the Bible four times a week or more, and we think it should be seven, I mean, what's to stop us reading the Bible every day? 10, 15 minutes, a chapter or two. Uh, that's, not, that's not hard. But they found that even at four times a week, there was an exponential spike in spiritual benefit. This is what they discovered. They found that loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationship dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. Viewing pornography dropped by 61%. Sharing faith increased by 200%. Four times or more a week. My theory is, God says, if, if somebody's going to read my book more than half the week, I'm going to bless them. And I like what one pastor said. He says, the Bible is Jesus in print. If you want to get to know Jesus, read the Word of God. A lot of weakness in our life can be tracked back to a lack of being in the Word of God. I write to you, young men and women, because you're strong and the Word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. Son, you were on guitar this morning. I don't know you, but I sense you have a gentle heart. You're a kind person. But I tell you what, God's going to increase spiritual authority in you. You're going to get a hold of the book like you've never done before. And I tell you what, authority and Holy Spirit are uh, I, I'm using the word, it's, it's anger, but it's not anger at people. It's anger at the works of the enemy. I tell you what, you're going to see some breakthroughs. You're going to see some victories. It's like God's going to put some mongrel in you. Are you allowed to say that in church? 
That's an Aussie expression. We don't, we're more refined in New Zealand. We don't use that. But, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like Paul, you know, all things to all people. No, I'm just kidding. We do use that word. But anyway, so four or more times. That's doable. And there are Bible reading guides that will get you through the entire Bible in a year if you care to search them out. And then fathers and mothers. We've already said they, they know him who's from the beginning. They know that God turns chaos into order, darkness into light. They know that he's the great shepherd that will see them through any valleys that threaten their existence. And I think the key is that we need to grow through each level. We can't stay children, as wonderful as that is. But you know, the thing is you take each level with you. So young men and women and spiritual father and mothers still know they're children. They're still in awe at God's amazing grace that saved them. They're still in awe that God is their father. Wow. And spiritual fathers and mothers, they're still strong and the word of God is in them and they're still fighting the battles of the Lord. We have to grow up into other levels. So if you're currently maybe a new believer, haven't been saved long, you're a child of God, you know, there's an expectation. God wants to grow you to be a young man and woman who's strong in the word, who can overcome. And many of you that are the young men and women, God wants to take you to another level of being a spiritual father and mother. And that's ageless. You can be 20 and have walked through a valley, trusting God, come out the other side, and you can be a spiritual father and mother to those younger than you. You can be 70 years old and still disappointed at what God didn't do 10 years ago, and you've stunted your growth. So it's an ageless thing. Having said that, most likely a spiritual father and mother is someone that has walked with the Lord for some decades and walked through trouble, walked through difficulty and found God in the midst, come out the other side with a sweet spirit, still loving Him, still loving more passionately in love with Jesus, got more hope for eternal things than I've ever had because they've walked through suffering, they've walked through difficulty and they've discovered that God is a God of resurrection power and that these light and momentary afflictions work for you in eternal weight of glory because they've got their eyes set on heaven and on the new earth that God's going to create. And so nothing dissuades them of this present world. The troubles in this world are not worth comparing, Paul said, to the glory that is coming. The church in the West has got too many Christians that have stopped at a certain level. There's a lot of pastoral care that goes on helping spiritual children who by now should be young men and women. And I'm not knocking pastoral care. It's a great thing. Praise God for pastors and and those that care and, and at times they can help. But listen, honestly, the church has got to grow up. And, you know, our message to you today is, come on, Hope Point. Every one of us has got to rise to a new level of maturity. But you say, David, I'm in my 80s. What can I do? You can be a spiritual grandfather and grandmother. You can encourage the younger fathers and mothers. And the reason Greta prophesied over you two becoming spiritual fathers and mothers is that you have successfully become young, a young man and woman and you're strong and the word of God has lived in you and you've overcome stuff. And that's why now God is transitioning you to being a spiritual father and mother. And that will only increase in the days that 
that lie ahead. But all of us need to stand up. And if you're in your 80s, well, what can I do? Listen, you can pray like you've never prayed before for the next generation. You can ask God, God bless them. And if I was a young person, I'd be having coffee with some of the older ones in the church saying, tell me your story. I want to know what what have you learned about God? There is treasure. I'm seeing lots of gray hairs in this room and there is treasure in every one of you that is older in the faith. And the sad thing is if you die and that treasure never is coming out. Cemetery is the saddest place in any town, not because people have died, but simply because there are dreams that have never been realized, books that have never been written, poems that have never been done, artwork that's never been created, young people that have never been encouraged. It's like we cannot die with our treasure in us. You've got to give it to the others. And older generation, the devil will stop you with two strategies. He'll, number one, tell you that you're used. I know I've gone over time, but I'm on a roll. Is that all right? Okay, you can handle it. We don't come uh, only but once a year. Where was I? I was on a roll, but now I've, I've forgotten where I was. <laughs> What's that? Oh, the two strategies. Number one, he'll tell you that you're useless. You're too old. You can't go here. You can't go there. And nobody's interested in what you've got to say. He's a liar. You have got treasure in you. You've got stuff to share. And you have to believe God. I am not going to bow to that lie. The other thing he'll tempt you is cruise. Hey, the mortgage is paid off. The kids have left home. We can just have a real nice time. Well, you can do that, but are you going to give the rest of your life to golf gardening and crocheting? Or are you going to give it to the kingdom of God? You might have retired from your job. You never retire from the kingdom of God. There's still prayers that you need to pray. There's still things that you need to do. There's still young people that you need to encourage. Hallelujah. Shane, you're not walking out because you're offended or anything, are you? Oh, no, it's the cafe. The cafe's... Before you go, you two... You two are a spiritual father and mother of huge faithfulness in this church. I don't know how many roles you've ever had in this church, but they just keep morphing and changing, but you just keep serving. And like you exude being a spiritual mum and dad. So we just honor you and, and praise God for all the ones in the church like those two. So you can now leave. That's fine. Out you go. We want the, the cafe to be ready for us in a few minutes. Come on, everybody needs to rise. And in a minute, we're going to pray that impartation of strength into your heart and into your life that you could rise to another level of maturity and believe God that the next generation will rise up and be strong young men and women. I love what St. Francis of Assisi said. He said this, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. And we have the light of Jesus within us. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? Music team, if you want to come. We're not going to sing, but it's just great to have you there. And uh, it's like a security blanket. Sweetheart, could you come and join me? We're going to pray about the strength. And, um, but before we do that, I just want to make sure that everybody here, you actually know the Lord Jesus that you've given your life to Christ. 
Um, maybe you've never done that. You didn't understand that he died on a cross to bring you to God, that you could have eternal life. Or perhaps you once did that, but you know you've walked right away from God. So I'm going to ask us just to close our eyes to help us concentrate. And I would love to pray a simple prayer in a moment that would allow you to give your life to Jesus. And as I scan the room right now, I'm just going to say, well, if you want to be part of that prayer, you know you need to give your life to Christ to come back to him. Could you just quickly raise your hand in the air as I scan the room? Now, that'll tell me there are people that we need to pray for. So just if you know, yeah, you need to give your life to Christ to come back to him. Just quickly raise your hand in the air right now. And you're returning to him or you're giving your life to Jesus. Don't let fear stop you. Uh, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my father. So I scan the room one last time. I don't, yes, God bless you over there. Thank you. You can, and there, son, thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand. As I scan the room. Okay, I don't see anyone else. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The two people that raised their hand, I get the whole church to follow and, and join in with you. So here we go. Mean it with all your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I'm sorry, Lord. And I turn from them and I turn to you. I believe you died on a cross for me and you rose again from the dead. So I now receive you into my life. I give you my life, Lord Jesus. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my days. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, you meant it. That's exactly what's happened. And you need to tell somebody you've done that. Because the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So if you're one of the two that did that, make sure you tell one of the pastors and leaders here, hey, that was me, I prayed that prayer, and then you'll seal it. Uh, interesting, Greta felt we needed to pray for strength at the end, so did I. And she quoted Isaiah 41.10, uh, the reference, but I'm going to tell you what it says. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And I believe there are people we need to be upheld. In other words, God needs to lift us to a new level of maturity, wherever you're at, to go another step further into God. Or maybe you need strength for the battle that you're facing. You know, you need to see the devil overcome in your circumstances. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Whatever it is, we're going to pray today that that happens. So could you just lift your hands to the Lord in these closing moments of the meeting? And what I'd got with the strength thing was God wants to impart fearless fortitude Fortitude is another way of uh, another a similar word to strength. Father, we just say thank you that you promise to renew and increase our strength. And in the name of Jesus, I just release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of might and strength. Receive increase supernatural strength right now. Receive a gift of fearless fortitude that you will stand strong as a wild ox in Jesus' name. And I also just release, just receive by faith those horns, those ox horns of victory. And God declares over you, you are an overcomer. You are victorious because Jesus Christ has won the victory forever.
Yeah, I really sense and declare great victories and breakthroughs over everybody that has faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And as you trust in the God who overshadows by his spirit every circumstance, keep trusting in him. May you see your breakthrough. May you see the victory. May you see the triumph. May you see the miracles. And may you know that he's a good God. In whatever you're going through, Lord, I pray that you will escort your people through every valley in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you.